You know, this year we're really excited. 2020 talks about perfect vision, and Christ is our perfect vision. Amen. And we are, our theme for this year is Jesus, our 2020. That means Jesus, our perfect vision. Amen. I think if we really dedicate our lives to see God the way God wants us to seek Him, I tell you what, we will never be the same. And so you can talk to me. You know, don't um, say amen to that if you agree. And so uh, it's, it's great. So we, we really are believing for uh, the perfect vision, seeking Christ and becoming more like Christ. And out of that, that as we grow, we go out and grow someone in Christ. Amen. We're praying for growth in this church. Invite someone um, who, who's looking for a church and uh, let's be family and grow together. Great. You know, I want to start with this funny story. Uh, when we newly got married, Cara and I, and uh, we, uh, I said to Cara, look, I want to go learn how to ski. So we went up Mount Ruapehu, and uh, it was a beautiful day. And, uh, and, and I, was, I was quite nervous because you just slide down. And if you don't know how to stop, you don't stop, you know. And uh, so it's called defying gravity or gravity pulling you. I don't know. But I put on the skis, <clears throat> went to an instructor, paid him money. All I wanted to do was ski. Just feel the breeze. And uh, let's fly. I believe I can fly kind of thing. And so I put on the gear. And as soon as I put on the whole gear, all of a sudden, I thought to myself, I look like a pro. And I can see ski. This is easy. You know, what, what are they on about? I mean, I understand the logic. You put the skis on, right? Make sure you stand, don't fall, and you will ski. And so I got the instructor. The instructor gave me the instructions. And so then he, what he does is he says, okay, look, uh, I'm going to glide, slide down and I'll wait for you down the hill. So make sure you come to me. I said, okay. And he said, you know, this is how you ski. If you want to stop, bring your skis in and it will slowly stop you. I said, that's easy, right? It's very easy. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to ski, seriously. I wondered why I paid the money for the instructor, you know. And so I, he said, okay, you come to me. I said, okay. So I ski towards him. And um, because I was also nervous, I'm keeping my eyes on him. And so I'm skiing towards him. And I'm skiing really towards him. And I'm getting closer and closer to him. And I don't know what, I didn't know what to do. So I literally end up on him. Because I forgot to stop. And I end up, it was a Hollywood scene. It's like, I'm literally, he's on the ground because I crashed into him. So he's on the ground and my face is close to his face. And I'm looking like a fish out of water. What do I do now? And so he literally had to roll me because you can't roll either because you've got these long skis. You know, but, but the thing is, he said, make sure you see me and you just come to me. So I went straight to him. And when I was going, I'm thinking, wait a minute, what am I doing? Where am I going? Because I'm going right at him. And my whole body was on his body. I was a bit of bromantic, you know. And, uh, but, but you see, I think often it's the case, where you see, where your focus is, you end up there. It's even when you're driving, you, when you, where you want to go, you've got to see where you're going, right? And where you actually see, you actually, your body goes there. Even if you're an athlete, cricket or whatever, cricket, 
let's not go there. Some are crying. That's why I'm wearing black for, to moan. Uh, but even you, where you see, you can throw the ball there. Because where you see, that's your rain. And I think it's so important for us that where we focus, we end up there. What you see, where you see, what you see is where you go. Amen. And it's, I, believe, I tell you what, it works. When we were students at Faith Bible College, I saw Kara. And I ended up close to her. You know, and wherever she was, I went there. And I felt... Look what God's doing. Yeah. Anyway. So, so our title today is, wait a minute, where are we going? Because we've got to wait a minute to pull back and say, where are we going? Where are we actually going? Because vision is very important. Amen. Because yeah. we need to have a vision. And my first point is vision. If you want to put the slide, please, that's great. It's vision 2020. We've got to have vision. You've got to be able to see where you need to go. And when you see it, you're able to go there. So we've got to have a vision. And as a church, we have a vision called raise and empower a generation who changed their world for Christ. Amen. Uh, there's a lot of raising that needs to be done before you empower. Okay, a lot of training, a lot of equipping. The Bible says train a child when they're young. Train a child. You've got to train them. You've got to raise them. Now, Paul trained and equipped uh, Timothy. He mentored Titus. I'm thinking of Elijah mentored Elisha. There are a lot of mentoring. Barnabas mentored Paul. If you know the story. So there's a lot of mentoring. So we have a vision here to raise people. To raise them before we empower them. Raise them into all godliness. And help them realize who they are in Christ. And then you empower them. So that they can go out and change their world for Christ. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says. I love this here. It says I will stand my watch. And set myself on a rampart. And watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. I love that. What he's saying is, a lot of us quote verse 2. But verse 1 is talking about preparing yourself. He says, and I watch to see what he will say to me. Are you prepared to hear what God is saying to you? Or are you so busy that you want to do your own thing? Are you positioned to actually hear what God is saying to you? That what I will answer when I am corrected. He's willing to be corrected by God. And then he says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So, the Lord is saying, write the vision, make it plain. And make it plain. What do you want to do? You know, we all have a desire to do something. We have a purpose. Every one of us have a purpose. You might think, what is my purpose? Let me tell you, your purpose, your very existence is to glorify God. Is to worship God. 
It's not about titles. It's not about wealth. It's not about that. The very reason you exist. Who is breathing here? Yeah. I don't know if you know the guy John Steele. He said, are you breathing out there? You know, if you know those that know John Steele, yeah. You know, if you're, if you're breathing, you, that means God has a purpose for you. And that purpose is no matter where your circumstances are, you are called to glorify Jesus. That's your purpose. That's your purpose. And I, I remember when I gave my heart to God, I had no idea what I was doing. All I wanted to do was serve God, number one, because I love God. Because I love Him, I wanted to serve Him. So whatever came before me, I did it. I did the cleaning the toilets. I did the, I did the, all the slave job that you do, the donkey's work. I did that. Not looking for titles, but I was looking for an opportunity to glorify my God in what I do. Not titles. If you look for titles and then the title, you stick to title, there's a problem. The title can stick to you, but you stick to Jesus. Amen. So that was a vision that, I, I mean, we all have a vision because vision creates a purpose and purpose creates passion. You know, Jesus had a vision and his vision was to really bring man back to God. His purpose was to do what the Father wants him to do, to please the Father. And he wanted to seek and save that which was lost. He had a vision. And he made sure that he does that. But he did it with a purpose and a passion. And passion fuels your motivation. And motivation helps you on your journey. And your journey helps your destination. Amen? So your vision creates a purpose. Your purpose creates a passion. Your passion fuels your motivation. Your motivation helps your journey. And your journey leads you to your destination. So it's important for us to understand to have a vision. Because when you have a vision, you have a purpose. So our purpose is to please the Father. You know, every year I sit down at home and I write down, what is my my goals this year? I, I do that not because it's, uh, I want to prove someone. No, it's only for me to grow in God. Every, every time I look back and go, am I doing what God wants me to do? Or am I just trying to run like a chickenless, headless chicken, chickenless head, headless chicken, you know, uh, trying to please people. So what Kara and I do, this is what we do personally. If it helps, take it, otherwise leave it. But we sit down beginning of the year and we map our calendar. Okay, I put what my goals, how do I want to grow in God? Because if I'm not growing in God, I'm not going to be a godly husband. I can't be a godly father. Forget being a godly pastor. That's that's disaster if I'm not growing. Okay? Because it starts in the house, people. And so I have my goals. Kara has her goals. My goals is how do I grow in God as a son of God, and then as a husband, then as a father, and then as a pastor. And then we sit down together. What's our vision for 2020 in our marriage? We look at our marriage. How, what was a marriage like in 2019? Did we grow? Did we slide? Did we stagnate? Did we fight more than we shouldn't? You know, what, what was it like? So we put goals. Then on our kids. 
So it, it helps us to really pursue these goals. They're all biblical, godly, prayerful goals. It helps us to, to stay focused on what we are supposed to do. And the beautiful thing with God, He has a plan for us. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, you know, I created you. A lot of people go, what's your plan? I don't know. What's your purpose? I don't know. But the simple plan and your purpose is glorify Jesus. Yeah. Glorify Jesus. But as we go along, you know, we all start. We start well. We really start. This year I'm going to do this. You know, some people have resolutions. Um, Bryce was talking about at our uh, worship team meeting last week. Who has New Year resolutions? No one had New Year resolutions, which is good because studies say you never keep up with your resolutions. Who cares about your resolutions? What Christ wants is your character, not your resolutions. What Christ wants is your character. Is your character developing in the Lord? Amen. How is my anger gauge? 2019, how, how angry was I? Am I growing into less anger? Uh, in all those things. Because it's important to have that. So what God looks for is not your resolutions, but He's looking for your character. So Bryce was talking about you know, resolutions. Praise God, none of us got those resolutions. But he talked about um, intention to intentionality. Intention is good, but intentionality. You need a plan. You know, I have an intention to be a black cat. And uh, I think they need me, to be honest. Uh, that's why I'm going there tonight, just to help them out. Uh, but they, in a black cat. But you've got to have intentionality. What is your plan? What is your plan? I want my children to grow in God, love Jesus, and be these angels at home. And be so peaceful with the siblings. Dear sister, I love you. Oh, dear brother, I love thee too. You know, but I mean, that's intention. But what is my plan to actually bring God in them and through them? What is my intentionality? What is my purpose? What is my plan to make sure I grow them in the ways of God? When they are stubborn, when they're being defiant, what is my plan to help them to break that defiance? Oh, that's, you know, otherwise we just, oh, that's just Brock. Oh, that's just Carol. That's just Joseph, you know. Oh, that's just, no. We give excuses. But we need the vision because it's important. Because we have a vision and we go to him and we start teaching him because we see something upon him. So you're not afraid to sit with him and say, stop playing with your phone when I'm talking. <laughs> and I'm literally telling him off in the service and it's being recorded. And he's embarrassed. So um, he didn't expect me to go close to him. And I know what he's doing on his phone. I went there because he was on the phone. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. But you see, you need the plan. Amen. You've you got to have your plan. And I'm telling you, a lot of us start well. A lot of us want to do great things. But we need that plan. How do you get there? Have you got the right gear? And along the way as we start, my number two, I want to move quickly. Number two is distractions. Ha <laughs> ha. We all get distracted. Hello? The first distraction is, I'm tired. Oh, 
Again, he wants me to go for church prayer. How many times does he want me to go? Gosh. Or the other one is distractions is, oh, it's too cold. Oh, it's too hot. If when it's too hot, we complain. When it's too cold, we complain. Can you make up your mind? Hello? Everybody, you're understanding me what I am saying today? Yes? Very good, very good. So, so we, you know, there are a lot of distractions. There's a distraction of, of, you know, job, career, and you begin to put like 40 hours, you put 80 hours in your work, and you got no, you don't even have 80 seconds for Jesus. And you say you talk to Jesus while you're brushing teeth. You talk to Jesus while you're washing your face. I mean, I still talk to God. Can I tell you whoever thinks that is devotion, please, as your pastor, let me tell you that is wrong. Try to do relationship like that. It doesn't work after a while. You've got to learn to sit down. Remove every distraction and sit down. And go, how are you? What's happening in your life? Am I a good husband? Oh, let me tell you that story. Because it's important and I'm telling you, when you if, if I can't ask my own wife, am I being a godly good husband to you, then there is something seriously wrong with me. Because I create this transparency, accountability. Because I don't want my wife to go tell you, Peter's being annoying me. You know? If, she's an, if I'm annoying, she'd rather tell me that. See, we have someone called Samson in the Bible. Samson had a great plan. Distractions are a big thing for us in, in, in our culture. Huge, huge distractions. Samson, if you know about Samson in the Bible, before he was born or when he was born, there was a certain way God asked him to live. He was never to touch alcohol, never to cut his hair, never to do these things and those things. Why? God had a plan for Samson, for great things. And Samson understood the plan of God. But then he falls in love. He falls in love with a Philistine woman. And his mom and dad say, can't you find someone in our own race? Why a Philistine woman? He goes, I want her. If I don't get her, I'm not going to eat my food. I need her. He even wrote a song. All of me. It's all of you. You know, I'm sure he must have wrote a song. So the parents get tired. They go, okay, let's, let's just marry. So he marries this Philistine girl. And then he throws a party. And then the party, Philistine, Philistines come. And then he puts a riddle. And anyway, he, he's trying to be smart here. But Philistines, they only know one way. If they don't win, they'll kill you. So they threatened the father-in-law said, you better tell us, you, you, wife, you tell me what your husband is saying to her, otherwise we're going to burn your house. So anyway, she forces him. You say you love me, but you don't tell me the truth. Have you heard that before? Anyway, so she tells the story. So something happens because there was a threat. So Samson's father-in-law gets afraid because they're going to kill him. So the next day, next time, Samson arrives in Judges 15. So I'll build you a story. 15 verse 1. It says, At the time of the wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife. 
taking a young goat with him. In today's version, you're taking flowers. Really, you're taking flowers. Back in the day, you take a goat. Okay, hey honey, I love you. He's your goat. Cook me some dinner now. Show me your love to me. So he took some flowers home and he said, hey baby, I'm coming to you. But then comes a father-in-law. And he says, where are we? I'm going to my wife's room. But her father would not let him go. He said to Samson, I thought you really hated your wife. So I gave her to your best man. This is nasty. Her younger sister is more beautiful. Take her instead. Now this is like Indian bartering system. This is bad stuff. Now you've got to understand, Samson really loved this girl. But then look what Samson says. He said, so in verse 3, But Samson said to them, This time no one will blame me for hurting you Philistines. Something happened in him. He had a good heart. He started well. But because of that betrayal, he went all nasty inside. And then after that, he was mean to the Philistines. And then when he kills them, then the, the, the you know, people from Judah came and asked, why did you do that? He said, because they just deserved it. And I gave it to them what they deserved. There was a resentment and an anger within him. And I think a lot of us today, we start well, but somewhere along the way, something happens. And that whole vision gets distorted. We're still serving Jesus, but we're angry. We still love Jesus, but I'm angry at you. I still love Jesus, but you heard me, so I'm going to keep you away from me. There's some sort of distraction. I love Jesus, but I love money more than Jesus. Come on. I go to church on Sunday. I love God, but I really love that bottle. Alcohol. It's okay. As Christians, we start giving excuses. Hello? Instead of saying, God, I'm sorry, we say, well, that's okay. Lionel does it. You see where I'm coming from? We want to normalize sin. We want to normalize sin. We want to normalize our excuses to be godly. Oh, God knows because he loves me. No, he loves you. That's why he wants to correct you. Are you with me? A lot of us, uh, it's like, um, you know, the target shooting or the, you know, you, you shoot something or you shoot an arrow to a wall and then you go put your target on it and go, that was a great shot. Wow, wasn't God good? We live so aimlessly, but God has plans for you. If he has a plan for you, he knows how to lead you and guide you. So don't take your life in your own hands and be so distracted and live a half-hearted, half-cold, half-hot Christian. The Bible says he will spit you out. Or in India, we say he will vomit you. Because our W's are V's and our V's are our W's. He will vomit you. It's a vomit. Vomit. Okay, he will vomit you. What will he do? No, no, yes. What will he do? Warm it. Thank you. He will warm it to you. Okay? And so they, you see the destruction and then he meets... Uh, then he, You know the sad part is? Because he was hurt, 
Then later on, the Bible teaches us that he was hanging out with prostitutes. God was still with him. But he was angry and he was so distracted from the plan of God. He was hanging out with prostitutes. Then he found Delilah. Hey there, hey Delilah. And then he spends time with Delilah. And that's the story we know if you've been brought up in a Christian family. But distractions are dangerous. Having a vision is good, but it's good to come back and go, where am I going? Am I going the right direction? Am I actually aiming at the right thing here? Or am I being distracted? Is this okay? Third point. So the first point is vision. Second point is distraction. And then the third point is no vision. When you're so distracted, you lose your purpose. You have no vision anymore. You're a, you're a Christian, but you, you look more burdened than Jesus Christ. You, 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 look, you look like more, you're carrying the sin, of the sin of the world than Jesus himself. You look like, oh, how are you? I'm all right. God loves you. Yeah, heard that before. He really cares for you. Yeah, I know. What you're really actually saying is, I actually don't know that love anymore. I can't feel that love anymore. I don't have that passion anymore. I don't have that desire anymore. I don't hear God anymore. I'm just going through the motions. And because you, when you live like that, you've got no vision. And the Bible teaches us that... In, 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 if, um, in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, Where there is no revelation or no vision, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Happy is he who keeps the law. When there is no vision or no revelation of who Christ is, people are destroyed. We need to have a revelation of who Christ is. Please, I want to encourage you. Don't have a revelation of what God did 15 years ago. Please. Don't keep repeating your testimonies that are like last century. God still works today. I'm challenging us, including me. I can't keep just talking about how God healed my leg, how God healed my leg, write a book, sell that book, make money, how God healed my leg, how God healed my... That was then. Now I'm praying, God heal, bring salvation. I, wanna, I, I can't tell you testimonies of what God's doing and even what, what, God, what God was doing even last night. I can tell you stories. Don't live on your yesterday's revelation of God. Live on your today's revelation of God. And that's what keeps you fresh. That's what keeps you motivated. That's what keeps you passionate. That's what keeps you hungry for God. All of us, we walk, we need to be somebody. We know where we are going. I mean, we're going to see Jesus one day. Paul got it so well for me to live as Christ. And to die is gain. 
If I die, I see Jesus. I'm with him, but I live. I live for Jesus. I'm challenging us today. Where is your vision? Have you got a purpose? Have you, do you realize your purpose? Do you realize why you exist here on earth? We will all have, we all have challenges. We have families, we have bills, we have sickness, we have uh, family problems. If you have an auntie like mine, you know my auntie. We all have an auntie. Oh man, that can be quite a trouble. We all have those people around us. But even in the midst of your aunties, you have to glorify God. Hey, Nello. You know, Paul, Paul on the road to Damascus. I love this here. In, my fourth point is new vision. Because sometimes we got to shut off our natural eyes to open our spiritual eyes to God. Because we need a new revelation, a new vision, a new way to see Christ. And a new revelation. Because Paul, when he was Saul, he knew, he was convinced what he was doing was the right thing. By killing people. He knew he was doing the right thing. The only way Jesus could get to Paul, Saul, was to shut his eyes off. You have to stop seeing what the world is teaching you. You know, if you talk to young people, we talk about, we know we talk about the biggest thing young people talk about is sex, right? You know, they are the only ones that talk about it. No one else talks. After you're 18, you don't talk about sex anymore, by the way. So, you know, they are the, it's only the teenagers talk about sex. And everybody's sleeping with each other. Everybody. Can I tell you? No. Not everybody. It may seem like everybody, but not everybody. So sometimes you've got to shut this off because the world is teaching you. Everyone's doing that. Oh my goodness, our country, socialism, our country is going down the drain. Oh, how do you know that everybody's talking about it? Who is everybody? You probably heard news or one news, 15 minutes on whatever you call it, channels, one channel or channel three. And you don't know, but you, everybody, oh my gosh, hey, look at the world, what's happening in the world? It's going down. It is going down, it's the Bible says that. It will be destroyed. But the thing, but the thing is, you've got to have sometimes shut this off. Close your eyes, close your ears. I don't want to talk to Tom anymore. All he talks is just misery. All he keeps talking is, look at this person, oh, okay. You know, he's got no life. I want to shut him off. I don't want to talk to him. Stop talking, Tom. Talking Tom. <laughs> There's an app called Talking Tom. But we don't have, we have a Tom who doesn't talk much. So, so we, we you know, you've got to shut you sometimes. So Jesus did that to Paul. He had to shut his eyes so that he can open his eyes of his inner man. A fresh revelation of God. You and I need a fresh revelation of God. For us to lift our hands and worship Jesus, it is not, look at me. No. What are we trying to do, Jesus? I abandon myself. I completely abandon myself. I know they are hurting me. I know they, they call me names, but I don't want to listen to them. I know they're looking at me, making sure what I'm going to do. Uh, they want me to prove it to them that I'm the one for whatever job it is. But I don't care about that. I look to you. You are the author and the finisher of my faith. 
You are the one. My vision is you. I shut my eyes. I shut my uh, ears to what the world is teaching me. Not even the world. Sometimes you know what your head. We start listening to our mind. It's dangerous. When you listen to your mind. Paul, I think, is it in Psalm 42? Where Paul, uh, sorry, uh, David says, um, you know, I've, I've been crying out to God. My tears are, my eyes are dry. I've been crying so much. And he's been sort of moaning and complaining. But then he starts talking to himself. He says, why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Stop listening to your mind and start talking to your mind the word of God. Not like a parrot, but as a child of God. Standing on the truth, this is who I am in Jesus Christ. This is what he's called me to do. So I do not look to the left, not to the right. Can I say, I appreciate your feedback and your compliments. But even if you don't give me a compliment, I need to learn to encourage myself. Because when I don't know how to encourage myself, then I can't carry on what God wants me to do. If I'm always looking for your encouragement, then three days later, if you don't encourage me, you know what my mind says? Dawn doesn't like you anymore. So I'm going to stay away from Dawn and I'm going to go to Dan. And he's completely ignoring me. So I'm going to ignore him even better than he ignores me. What does he think? So I go to Lionel. And he's laughing at me. So what I'm trying to say this morning, guys, we have a purpose. Amen. Amongst all our struggles, if your marriage is struggling, it's a great place for you to lift the name of Jesus. It's a great place not to be distracted. I know you didn't intend that, but it happened. But don't be distracted. You know, don't stoop down. He hurt me, so I'm going to hurt him. She hurt me, so I'm going to hurt her back. I am the man. Don't stoop down that low. Take the higher ground and say, God, I stand upon the solid rock. Christ is my solid rock. And upon you I stand. And I say, God, I know there's a distraction right now. But come on, Lord, let me see what you're doing in this place. Let me see. How can I glorify you in this disastrous marriage? How can I glorify you when my son is walking home drunk or doing drugs? How can I glorify you when my daughter is sleeping around? How can I glorify you, God? Show me a way I can glorify you. As I close my eyes, I don't want to be distracted because I don't want to be distracted and end up with no vision. There are a lot of Christians with no vision. When I talk about vision, I'm talking about Christ and the revelation of Christ. Let me close my eyes and Lord, let me see what you're doing so I can glorify you in this situation. I know you would not put me in this if you didn't think, God, that I can't handle it. Now, I want to handle the jandal. Teach me. I can't stand here alone, but I need you in my life. I need that new vision, a fresh revelation. A fresh revelation of who you are.
Here I have my son who is calling me names. He is deceiving me. He is lying to me. I want to tell him he's a liar. He's a deceiver. But God, I close my eyes. What do I see? Ezekiel, what do you see? God, all I see is dry bones. Ezekiel, what do you see? God, all I see is dry bones. Can't you get it? Don't you see it? Go to Specsavers. Ezekiel, what do you see? You're asking me three times. I'm going to tell you again. Final time, Lord. Dry bones. That person's never going to change. You have no idea. Yeah, God, I love you. You love me. But that person's never going to change. There's dryness in her. There's a dry... Not you, Pam. You're lovely. But, okay, there's a dryness in that neighbor who's not in this church. There's a dryness in him. There's a dryness in her. There's a dryness. There is no hope in that person. Because they say they love you, God, but they keep drinking alcohol. They say they love you, God. They keep deceiving me. They say they love you. They love me. But they keep always backstabbing me. What do you see, Ezekiel? What do you see? Lord, I see dry bones. But the fourth time he said, prophesy. You and I need to capture what God sees on people. That's when Christianity comes to life. That's when Christianity comes to life. And I'm telling you, there's some things that I see on people. And Joseph, I said to him, I said, you have to do internship 2020. I said that to you, I think about September, August, September last year. And there's something that you see. When you see, people go, oh, Joseph, Joseph plays loud drums, loud. Joseph, Joseph likes to sleep. Joseph stays up all night playing games. Joseph, I'm just picking on you, Joseph, because your intern, it starts right now. So, you know, and, uh, but, but Peter, what do you see? I'm telling you, Pam, what do you see? Ellie, what do you see? What do you see upon a man? And you've got to call that out of him. And that's the prophetic side of it. When you have the revelation of God, you will not let them go. You want to, oh, there's Betsy. Oh, my dad, oh, you. Oh, you know why I'm hugging him? Because I want to avoid her. Come on, you all have done that. You lying Christians. I'm sure you did that. You know, you see, all of a sudden you're walking and then, oh, there's, oh, I don't want, hi, Bonnie, how are you? So good to see you. Oh, so good. I'm showing my back to him, you know, because I don't want him anywhere close to me. So, hi. (laughs) We need a fresh revelation. Vision is good. You start well. Distraction. We got to stay away from distraction. I love what Nehemiah said. He said, How, why do you want me to come down to fellowship with you? Can't you see I'm building the kingdom of God? When they were tricking him. Can't, don't you play these games with me, boy. I know what I'm doing. So the question is, wait a minute. Where are you going? How is your life? I'm not talking about how many houses you own. How many bedrooms you've built. How many lawns you mowed? I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about where are you going spiritually? 
okay, and have this fresh revelation. I have to pray, and I'm telling you this. I pray, my wife, to be honest, I said, God, she's growing amazing in you. But I want to see how else can I help her grow. So there are some things I put before. She starts, she gets irritated. I don't want to do that. I said, but I think it's good. I don't want to do it. Then I put a guilt trip. God wants you to do it. <laughs> you know, but, but the season, what do I see in my wife? What is God saying to me about my wife? She's come under my covering from the covering of that man. I showed you that with the umbrella a while ago. What do I see over her life? What do I see on my kids, especially when I want to play soccer with them? It's PC on the recording, but you know what I'm talking about. I want to play soccer with them, but what do I see on them? Because that's not who they are. And I'm asking you, you need a new revelation of Christ in you. And as you have the new revelation, you begin to see those people and you begin to call forth those things that are already established in God. How do I know they're established in God? Ephesians Ephesians says that before the foundations of the earth were laid. They're already established. Mike, God has already established those. But someone's got to see that and call forth out of your life. We all need a we all need an Elijah. We all need a Barnabas in our lives. But you've got to be willing to submit to them and say, speak into my life. So I'm asking you today as I close, can I get the worship team up? We've got to have a vision. Stay away from distraction. And I'm talking to myself that. As a pastor, sometimes ministry can be a distraction. Because I can serve ministry, not Christ. A lot of pastors get caught in that. Uh, That's my challenge, that I don't serve ministry. And then when you get distracted and live in distraction, you will lose your vision. You don't have a vision anymore. So when we come back to God, we have a new vision. Close those eyes. Amen. So, when I seek you, I find you. And when I find you, I will never be the same. My challenge to you as Expression Church, as your pastor, my challenge to Are you still the same or you will never be the same? We sing it. Are you still the same? What I mean by that, are you still holding on to those experiences and fears and whatever happened back then? Or the more you seek, the more I will never be the same. Amen. Can we stand and declare that song and not sing a song, but may that be your prayer this morning. When I seek you, I find you.